So uh, my name's Naomi. Um, we're in week two of our summer series on rhythm. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to explore this summer what it means for us to live in rhythm with God and also in the rhythms that he has created for us. And Andy started us off last week thinking about pace and he encouraged us towards some really practical ways to address what is an often very hurried pace in our lives. So there's very little that we can do before we slow down. Um, it's a really crucial thing to learn how to do. So if you haven't caught up on that, then you can catch up on it online. But this week, we are talking about Sabbath. And I grew up not really with the word Sabbath being used a lot, but with the word Sunday being used a lot and what Sunday meant. And for me, growing up, Sunday just meant like a big, long list of things that I was not allowed to do on a Sunday. There's no TV on Sundays, unless it was Christmas Day, weirdly. I don't know how my parents got around that morally, but they did. So no TV on Sundays, no homework on Sundays, which is fine if you've done your homework. But as a child, I was team last minute, so I had rarely done my homework. So Sundays became very stressful. Um, no shopping on Sundays, which is fine. I don't really want to go shopping on Sunday until you realize that you forgot to buy milk. And I mean, let me tell you guys, an Irish household without a steady flow of tea is uh, basically the famine all over again. I mean, it's a disaster, you know? So Sunday for me meant church and lunch and boredom. And I had no concept growing up of what it meant to keep the Sabbath. And I think actually for a lot of us, the same is true. The same thing still applies to us. But you know what? We ache for what the Sabbath offers us, don't we? We ache for rest. We ache to stop. We ache to catch our breath. A constant conversation around this time of year seems to be, what are your plans for the summer? You know, and when people ask me that, I'm like, I don't know, I don't really, I don't really have any plans. Please stop talking to me. Um, no, that's not true. But what are your plans for the summer? And maybe you've got like all singing, all dancing plans for the summer. And if you do, well, you have a lovely time. I'm sure we will see it all on Instagram. But so many of us, whenever we're asked that question, me included, seems to be, my answer seems to be, no big plans, just, you know, looking forward to not having to do anything for a couple of weeks. Just got my two weeks in August, got two weeks off, can't wait just to not have to do anything. And why do we say that? Because we ache for what the Sabbath offers. We ache for it because it was put in us from the very, very beginning of everything. And we have by and large been ignoring it for most of our lives or misinterpreting it for most of our lives. So this week we're gonna talk about Sabbath. We're gonna focus on two sections from the beginning of the Bible. The first is in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. The second is from Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible. So very easy to follow. We're right at the very beginning. So if you've got a Bible or your phone, uh, find Genesis chapter two. 
It's gonna be in the screen behind me as well. This is the creation story, this beautiful poetic account of how the world came to be. In the parts preceding this, we read about the sky and the, the sea and the sun and the stars and the plants and the animals and the humans being created. God's masterful work of epic creation, more incredible than anything we have ever seen or will ever see. And each time he creates, God says, it is good, it is good, it is good. Until he makes the humans and then he says that we are very good, which is nice. And then in chapter two, we read this. Starting at verse two. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And now if you flip over to Exodus chapter 20, here the people of Israel are on the move. They've been freed from slavery in Egypt, but they are now wandering around in the wilderness. One minute fully committed to God, the next pretty much in total rebellion to him. So God takes Moses, their leader, up a mountain and puts some boundaries in place because these people need guidance. They need guidance from God himself, from his mouth. And so he gives these commandments to Moses for the people to live by. And you'll know them because generally we live by them too, right? You know, do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not lie, etc., etc. We read them in a few places across scripture, but the first time is in Exodus chapter 20. So let's look at verse eight. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let me pray. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and be so present with us. And we do that for ourselves because we too easily forget you. And we don't want to do that tonight. So we remember you, Holy Spirit. And we invite you to come and breathe on these words and speak to our hearts. We are open to you. We say yes to you. Amen. Sabbath is kind of like a fairly unfamiliar word in our culture today, isn't it? I mean, even in the church, we don't use it a lot. We speak of the concepts that it entails, like we talk about resting and we talk about stopping and we talk about worshiping, but the word itself is, is seldom found in our tongues. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and at its root, it's a very simple word. It means to cease. It literally just means to stop, to rest, to cease activity. So when you Sabbath, you stop. You cease your hurried, busy activity of doing and getting and achieving and producing. Not because any of those things are bad, but you just stop. 
Sabbath is a gift that is given to us and it is a command to us as well. And we need to pay attention. So let's go back to those verses from Genesis. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. There's something that is really like mind-blowing in those verses. And you will have heard it before if you have been around church for any length of time and you will understand it as being kind of crazy, but it should, it should never stop blowing our minds. God rested. God who needs no sleep. God who never slumbers. God who never tires. God whose energies never run out. God who is not human like us. God who never needs a holiday. God who is without parallel to every other being on the planet, rested. And we are made in his image. We are made to mirror and to mimic what God is like to the world. And one of the very first things that we learn about him is that he rested. God works, so we work. God rests, so we rest. Work and rest live in this symbiotic relationship. And we seem to spend a lot of time, a lot of time learning how to work better or work smarter how to be more productive, how to be better employers or be better employees. But the truth is, if you do not learn how to rest well, you will never learn how to work well. If you don't learn how to rest well, you will never learn how to work well. And it works the other way as well. God rested. Something else that happens here that we miss, that I missed for a long time. What was the first holy object in the world? I mean, God has just made this amazing place full of incredible things. And he's God, so you would expect that he would consecrate something to be a holy place, a sacred place. We would imagine it to be like a, a monument or a, a statue, a space, a place, something visible, raised and named as being holy, somewhere that we could go, right? But the first thing that God calls holy in all of his creation is not a place, it is not a person, it is not a thing, it is a day. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The word holy is the Hebrew word kadosh and it means separated or set apart. And across scripture, it will be used many times in relation to many things of God. But the very first time that it is used is when God rests on the seventh day. Up until this point, nothing yet, although good and blessed and very good, nothing was deemed worthy of this word 
holy until now. We have too often and too easily rejected the holiness of the seventh day. We live as image bearers of God. We enjoy the fruits of this earth. We live under the stars. We live by the light of the sun. We live in creation. And yet, when we do not rest and cease on the seventh day, we live incomplete in God's creation. If God blessed a day for us and made it holy for us and ceased and rested on that day so that we could too, why so often do we compromise? Why do we decide what our days will be? Because you see, the nature of the Sabbath has already been decided for us. It will always be holy because that is how God made it to be. Our observance or non-observance of it is not going to change that. But our observance or non-observance of the Sabbath will deeply and drastically and dramatically change us. What we are depends on what the Sabbath is to us. We live in this rhythm of time given to us by God. You see it all across creation in seasons and in tides. We see it every day in the rising of the sun and in its setting. Our bodies work unconsciously in rhythm across our lifetime. And yet somehow we often think that we are above those rhythms, working well into the night and often at the same pace across large chunks of our year. It is no wonder that we so often hurtle into our weekends, into our holidays, utterly exhausted, and that we crash into them. Yes, we are strong and capable people. We can work without ceasing. We can labor without stopping. But remember, no other living thing lives like this. No other living thing lives like this. We are part of this creation story. So we are subject to its laws and to its rhythms. And God has blessed our time and he has made one part of it holy forever and invited us to participate in that holiness. When we build a life with the steadying repetition of Sabbath running throughout it, we are building something that will last us into eternity. Because the Sabbath is an example of the world to come. The Sabbath is not just for now, it is forever. There's a, a pastor in America called John Mark Comer and he's written and spoken a lot of things on this topic of Sabbath. And he said this thing that if you add up one day a week over the span of like an average adult's lifetime, that it adds up to about a decade. So put it like this, if you add in a decade of rest and worship or 
you take away a decade of rest and worship from your life, not from a hypothetical life, from your life, you're looking at a very different kind of life. And man, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that I missed out on this God-ordained kind of life because I was too busy or in too much of a hurry. God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy for us. And then he asked us to remember it. It is an invitation, but it is also a command. In Exodus 20, that section from what we call the Ten Commandments that we reread earlier, there are some important things to note here. The first thing to note is that out of all of these Ten Commandments, this one is the longest. The second is also pretty long, but this one is the longest. It is given the most time. It is given the most detail. And when that happens in the Bible, it is purposeful. It's not just like God got carried away. It is meant to get our attention. When something is long or when something, especially when something is repeated in the Bible, we're meant to sit up and pay attention. So let's touch on a few things here from these verses. That first word, remember. Remember the Sabbath day. Why? Because everything in you and everything in this world is going to cause you to forget it. Remember, six days you labor and do all your work. And this is not just your employed hours or the thing that takes up most of your time. This is everything that is work. Your supermarket shop, mowing the lawn, taking the car to the garage, going to the bank, tidying your house, doing all of these many, many little things that we fill our time with. This is important. The Sabbath is not the same thing as a day off. It's not the same thing as a day off. A day off is when you catch up on all the life admin that your working hours don't allow you to get done. And most of us have a list as long as our arm to get through that lasts several weeks and never really finishes. And maybe, hopefully, a day off also incorporates some fun stuff too. But the Sabbath is not a day off. We read on, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. This language of holy to the Lord is used all throughout the scriptures. And it can be translated also as dedicated to the Lord. So the Sabbath day is an entire day that is holy, that is set aside, that is dedicated to the Lord. It is a day for rest, and it is a day for worship. John Mark Comer says that when he Sabbaths, he runs everything through the grid of, is this rest and is this worship? And I've adopted that too. And if the answer to both of those questions is yes, then I delight in it. And if it's not, then I hold off because I have got six other days. And it also reminds me that as much as it is about me and as much as it is for me, it is also not about me at all. 
It is a day where we get to give God our rapt attention. It is a day directed towards and dedicated to the Lord. The Sabbath is for us. The Sabbath is dedicated to God. And the Sabbath is also for those around us. Look at the rest of that commandment. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, covering all possible bases. The Sabbath is a gift to you and to us and everyone that we are connected to because the Sabbath is a celebration. That word Shabbat that we looked at earlier, it can also be translated as meaning to celebrate. You're meant to enjoy the Sabbath. In fact, you get to enjoy the Sabbath. God has given you one day a week to do the things that you love, to see the people that you love, and to enjoy the things that you have. The Sabbath is not a day for getting, it is a day for enjoying. And the thing we read throughout scripture, I think, is that the principles of the Sabbath are set. They are immovable. So the Sabbath should always be a day of rest and worship dedicated to God. But the practice of it isn't actually set. Because everyone practicing the Sabbath is different. And so that means that we don't get to judge anyone else's practice of Sabbath. What is rest and worship for one person may not in any way be rest and worship for another. There is freedom in the Sabbath. It's not a legalistic day of adhering to a whole ream of things that you are not allowed to do. It is not a day of guilt. It is a day of rest and a day of worship dedicated to the Lord and that is something to enjoy. And we also get to prepare for the Sabbath. And this is something I think that we can really learn from Jewish culture. A few years ago, I was in New York and when I go on holiday, I'm a total idealist. I mean, my imagination is like so far and above what is reality. But I was in New York and I had this idea, I was like, I wanna walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, I wanna walk from Brooklyn to Manhattan, across the Brooklyn Bridge, preferably at sunset, if I can manage it, and I wanna have the Manhattan skyline in front of me and it's gonna be epic, because I have all these big experiences and I think my life is gonna be changed, it's gonna be amazing. This is all going on in my head. I was with my brother, I didn't share all of this stuff with him, I just was like, hey, we should walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. And so we spent the day in Brooklyn and um, we were making our way to the bridge and it was gradually getting darker and we were no closer, but frustratingly, the Brooklyn Bridge is really big. So you can see it pretty much from wherever you are in Brooklyn. And so I had no idea where I was, but I could see the bridge. And I was like, I don't know how to get there. And I'm starting to get hungry. And my dream is slipping from my fingers. And suddenly, as I was going through all of this in my head, we began to pay attention to where we were because we 
find ourselves in the midst of this like crazy hustle and bustle and we were like, what is going on? And suddenly we realized that we had somehow wandered into like a Jewish quarter or area of Brooklyn on a Friday night before sundown and they were going mad. I mean, I have never seen people with such single focus determination to get their stuff done before the Sabbath hits. Jewish people know how to prepare for the Sabbath. And just in case you're wondering, I did eventually make it to the Brooklyn Bridge and we got a taxi, which was less exciting. But part of our remembering is in our preparation. Like no one wakes up on Christmas day and says, what should we do today? You know, or like, what do you fancy for lunch? Literally something which is never said ever on Christmas day, why? Because it's a day that is anticipated for, it is a day that is prepared for, and the same thing should be with the Sabbath. Guys, every week we get a holiday. And if that sounds excessive to you, then welcome to the kingdom of God, because he is a God of excessive abundance, who goes above and beyond what we should have or what we expect. And sure, there is an expectation on us. Sure, there is obedience required of us. But every week, we get a holiday for our good, and for his glory. So we prepare for it. And practically, this looks like getting your stuff done. Making sure that you have sorted the things that you need to sort so that you don't hurtle into your Sabbath, but you anticipate it, you are excited for it, you prepare for it. And so my Sabbath is a work in progress. And some weeks I do it really well, and I think I'm nailing it. And then other weeks, I don't do it well at all, because I'm human. My Sabbath is not on a Sunday, because I work for a church. And so while this is a day of rest, at day, no, wrong way around, while this is a day of worship, very much a day of worship, not so much a day of rest, because I'm at work. If your Sabbath gets to be on a Sunday, then praise the Lord, because that's an amazing thing. You get to include corporate worship in your Sabbath. That's really cool. But your Sabbath doesn't have to be on a Sunday. My Sabbath starts on a Friday night, because apparently I have an inherent need to do something in a Jewish way. And it runs through to a Saturday. And I, I did that purposefully because I really liked the idea of my Sabbath including sleep. Isn't that nice? You know, why not? It's a holiday. I try not to watch TV on the Sabbath, not because I think that TV is bad, but because I watch enough of it on the other six days, and ultimately, it's just a distraction. I make and I eat the food that I love on the Sabbath. For example, this Friday night just passed, I had a steak, and it was fantastic. I read, I pray, I play the piano, I, I walk, I relish the day, I see people that bring me life on the Sabbath, I see people that I love, and I try to pay attention and give attention to God throughout. I don't overcomplicate it. It doesn't need to be complicated. 
And I don't try and work really hard to make it holy because it is already holy. I just choose to be awake to the holiness that is already in it. And I put everything through the filter of, is this rest and is this worship? And then I work out my yeses and my noes from there. And you might be saying, well, that's all well and good for you, but I have responsibilities. And I would say, sure you do. We all do. Your Sabbath is going to look different to mine. My Sabbath now is gonna look different in 10 years, is gonna look different in 10 years after that. It changes with the seasons of our lives. But your Sabbath, regardless of your circumstance or your situation, can still be rest and it can still be worship, even if it looks different to someone else's. And in fact, I think when Sabbath is harder, it is then that it is more necessary. And if you have kids, then parents, you need to Sabbath because your kids need to Sabbath. And they need to learn it from you. They're not gonna learn it from anyone else. The best advice that I received was this. Start where you are, not where you're not. If 24 hours is not possible for you just now, then that's okay. Start with a morning or an hour if you're really busy or an evening. Start where you are, not where you're not. If you're realizing that this is gonna take some time to figure out and you have some serious reshuffling of your life to do, then that's okay. Start where you are, not where you're not. Don't beat yourself up. The summer is a brilliant time to figure out this stuff because often we have different rhythms at this time of year and it means that we can preempt some of that busyness that the new term will inevitably bring. Or maybe you see the legalism that you have lived under in the Sabbath. Maybe for a long time it has all been about rules and regulations. Maybe it's time for celebration. Maybe it's been compromised again and again by a better offer or by your work or by your exhaustion or by your disorganization, or by your lack of preparation. Eugene Peterson, a man who had infinitely more wisdom than me, says this. Sabbath is not primarily about us or how it benefits us. It is about God and how God forms us. I don't see any way out of it. If we are going to live appropriately in the creation, we must keep the Sabbath. How you use and spend and honor your time is forming you, whether you know it or not. And God has laid out for us an invitation into this rhythm, into his rhythm. But as with all of this stuff, we get a choice. Our Sabbaths will form us. And we get to accept that invitation today. And so like Zach said earlier, each week we're doing a spiritual practice. And you cannot form a spiritual practice in a week. But you can have a taster. You can give it a go in a week. So our practice this week is very simple. 
Sabbath. Do it. And also, think about it. What is your current rhythm of Sabbath? What, what's your current approach to the Sabbath? Have you thought about it a lot and are amazing at it? If so, keep going. Have you literally never thought about this before in your life and your brain is a little bit fried right now? What is God saying to you about that this week? And if you're looking for some summer reading, then three books that I can recommend to you. You don't have to read them all. This one, Garden City by John Mark Comer is a brilliant book. It's pretty recent as well. So it's written for our time and our culture. Um, and he has some really interesting thoughts about Sabbath. And the second one is a book called, appropriately, The Sabbath by a guy called Abraham Joshua Heschel, which is just like the most awesome name ever, right? He's a Jewish scholar, so it's written from a Jewish perspective. And I said this this morning, and I'll say it again, I think this is maybe one of the most beautiful books I have ever read in my life, which I know is a bold claim, but it is beautiful. And then the third book is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is what this whole sermon series, this whole series this summer is built around. And if you haven't read that book, then I would really recommend it by Pete Scazzaro. But before we worship again and allow God to do what he wants to do in us this evening, I'm going to pray for us. So why don't, if you're able, why don't you stand with me? Why don't you just, uh, I guess, in your heart, hold out to God whatever it is that he is doing in you tonight. What is it that the Holy Spirit has been prompting in you tonight? We believe that God speaks to us, but we have to listen. So why don't you take a minute just to listen to God and allow him to speak to your heart, to prompt you in the things that he wants you to pay attention to tonight, because he is always at work. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Will you come and speak to us? Will you speak to our hearts? Will you do what only you can do in us? There are so many things we are capable of ourselves, but we don't want those things. We want the things of your spirit. We want the things that will transform and change us in a lasting and real way. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you.